Now on that day, same day, two of them were walking to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of these who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road? while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of our Lord. Thank you, Amy. emotionally drained right now, but in a good way, in a good way. If Mickey is a mouse, Donald is a duck, Pluto is a dog, what the heck is Goofy? <laughs> Some of you remember this deep discussion in the movie Stand By Me from a few years ago. 
uh, for those who don't know this, four 12-year-old boys are on a journey of discovery, camping out, and then they do what everyone does on such trips. They wonder about things. They ask questions. If you could only eat one thing, what would it be? Why is it that on the show Wagon Train they never get anywhere? And, and so on, and so on. Uh, believe it or not, this does have more to do with you than you think. You're kind of a wondering bunch, I think. The questions come freely. The expression road trip, road trip, is part of our cultural lexicon, is it not? It means to go on a journey together, experience some bonding time, listen to specifically selected road trip music. You know that one CD that you have. It's probably labeled road trip. You have an adventure. You tell stories afterward and wonder about things, sometimes bigger things than the identity of Goofy, like, for instance, if God is the Father and Jesus is the Son, then what is the Holy Spirit? Okay, okay, so that's only me on a road trip that asks that kind of thing. Okay. But we do wonder about life and God with variations of these questions. Why are, why are we here? Is, is there really a God? And if so, what is God up to? What does it mean to be a good parent? How do we help a friend who drinks too much? Why is there so much evil in the world? Why did she have to die? You know the questions. We've all been there. A road trip is kind of like faith. And what a marvelous road trip we've been on. Hasn't it been? Wow. The music, the shared journey, breaking bread, wondering, exploring, telling stories. And through it all, there is always through it all the promise and the possibility of what each moment might give to you. The movie Boyhood delivers this message. There's a moment when the boy who was on a journey, who grew up before our eyes in the movie, goes off to college and he makes a new friend, one with whom he connects quickly on a deeper level. In their conversation, his new friend offers an insight about the conventional wisdom of carpe diem, which of course means seize the moment. Let's take a look. You know how everyone's always saying seize the moment? I don't know. I'm kind of thinking it's the other way around. You know, like the moment seizes us. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it's constant. The moments, it's just, it's like it's always right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, now you know how the movie ends.
Well, they were having some kind of moment there. We all know what that is. But I, I like in that scene how they, how they show them silently living in a moment that is alive and a bit playful. The moment is seizing them and working some magic with them in their silence. Especially for people of faith. It's important to remember that in our lives, we are never experiencing merely a random succession of moments in space and time. No, rather, we experience a loving God who walks with us, who fills our existence and our moments with life and love and gives them to us. The God of, God, of John's gospel, the word became flesh and dwelled among us, and uh, the God of Martin Luther speaks us into existence, we learn. Speaks us into existence, moment by moment. All things were made through the word and by the word. By the eternal Christ, the eternal word. The triune God who is loose in the world, works in, with, and under us by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God who has embraced creation and human existence shows up in both friend and stranger, art and music, shared experiences and meals, conversations full of questions but perhaps short on answers, moments of mutual hospitality and common cause. You see, God gives gifts to us every step of the way, so pay attention on your road trip, even during, especially during the tough times. Now, this is less about what we control and do and more about what we receive, what is offered. It's about grace, the unconditional gift that is always before us, that is inevitably calling us forth into mission. Indeed, life is full of opportunities to seize the moment, to respond, but only because a moment first was sent by God to you full of possibility and it seized you. We've been learning to read the Bible this way, haven't we? Listening for the word or phrase that shimmers, that pops, that seizes you, that seizes you. This is what powers the journey. Perhaps you've noticed um, that lately it's been hard for me to do things like say the benediction or the simple words, the body of Christ broken for you. These are not senior moments for me, mind you but a different kind of moment. The recognition that these weekly moments of ritual and community and proclamation with you have been dwindling. And they seize me with a sacred beauty, sometimes leaving me speechless. And a speechless pastor, well, that's a rare kind of gift indeed. <laughs> Admit it. The story of the road to Emmaus is a, a, tr a road trip of a different sort, a, a bit more grounded in the brokenness of life, 
you know, where we live, right? This is how I will always think of the time that we have spent together here. We, we've taken a journey together, just like the characters in the story. And just as our own journeys are sometimes filled with heartache and disillusionment, so too was their faith, those two followers of Jesus, tested as they walked that road, thinking their Lord and teacher was gone forever, their own future uncertain and full of questions. And yet, the road was filled with key moments, was it not, that seized the two disciples. What they didn't at first realize, they would soon understand. God is present and at work in the very worst of times. God was with them on their road trip, but temporarily hidden as an inquisitive stranger. God shows up on our journey, and he shows up often. So watch and listen for the presence of God in your midst. Often, though, we don't recognize him, or, or he is hidden. That's okay. Recognition frequently happens down the road a ways when we're working our story and looking back. Things dawn on you. Has that happened to you? What then ensues in our story is a conversation as the disciples try to make sense of the death of Jesus. And as they wonder together what happened, a new moment comes, a light bulb, courtesy of the stranger. God in Jesus was destined to die so that God could prevail over sin, death, and the devil. As we make our way on the journey, we find that we need the conversation with each other and even the stranger. Things can come to light, you see, when others speak and we listen. How often it was over these last 23 years <clears throat> when I was uh, stumbling in the dim light, you may have thought that I wasn't, but I was, and one of you, countless times, many different individuals, in conversation gave me more light and perspective and helped me move forward. Then while the disciples are having dinner at the end of their travel for the day, another moment seizes them. It's Jesus who's breaking bread with them. And then a succession of realizations occur to them. Of course it's Jesus. Didn't we know something was happening inside of us as we walked? That's a good way to tell if something's happening. What's going on in here? Huh? But then Jesus disappears. Now what? Well, <laughs> a new story had just emerged. The story of the risen Christ. A story that had to be told. So go and tell what you've heard and seen. And so they did. Sometimes life's path can be uncertain. Don't we know that? At times we don't know where to go. Our brother in Christ uh, and fellow member Fred Holzel has cancer that has now crept into his bones. This is Fred's journey now. You know what Fred's reaction to this is? Being essentially a mountain man, as Fred is. Here's what Fred told his wife, Nancy. 
I just look for the next Karen. Karen. For those of you not familiar with this, on a hiking trail, when the trail becomes unclear and you're not sure where to go, look for a pile of rocks called a cairn, C-A-I-R-N, that tells you, this is the way the trail is here. Isn't that a beautiful statement of faith? Fred understands his road trip. In your unfolding story, God will tell you where to go. So watch and listen. Look back on your story and reflect. You might even see the footprints poem when you look back and say, hey, God was carrying me. Faith is the ultimate road trip that depends and relies entirely on God's presence. It's the relationship with God that matters, a relationship that gives us moments filled with life and possibility. It creates a freedom to go on the journey. That's why Luther said, uh, sin boldly, famous quote by Luther, some of the, why would he say that? Are we now in favor of sin? No, it's not because we seek to sin, but because we don't have to live afraid, you see. Because God is our salvation. God is our salvation, not our understanding or our behavior, both of which are bound to be inadequate. So go on the journey in freedom. Ask questions. Cry together. Celebrate beauty. Love your neighbor. Share your stories with each other. Take chances and be filled with the presence of God and the moments that seize you. Always. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel <laughs> this morning. That's okay. This is a good place to cry a little bit. About all of it? Um, brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow sojourners on the way, thank you for sharing an exceedingly rich journey of 23 and a half years with me. I think God matched us up pretty well on that night when uh, you and the Holy Spirit got together and decided it was okay to have a senior pastor who used movie clips in sermons. You've been so very good to me and tolerant of my annoying habits and shortcomings. For instance, as much as I tried to learn everyone's names, I failed often. But you were forgiving, uh, Katie, when I kept calling you Emma, or Sean when I kept calling you Shane. <laughs> okay, Elaine, when I called you George, you weren't so forgiving, but, <laughs> but understandably so. It's been a privilege to share in the defining life moments with you, of which there are hundreds and thousands, even a weekly thing, isn't it? When we gather like this? For starters, baptizing babies, confirming, marrying, walking with you in crisis. I think of the Falk family, confirming all three Falk daughters, Alana, Marissa, Danielle. Then marrying all three Falk daughters, 
to three fine young men, then helping them and their mother Gail say goodbye to their dad, Randy, who was taken by cancer. But then the promise of life um, again, baptizing Alana, Marissa, and Danielle's children, Kylie, Kira, Nolan, Hudson, Finley, Layton, Hadley. I hope I didn't leave one of them out. There's lots of them. You get the idea. That's one family. Look at, look at you. Look at all of you. So many families, so many profound, rich moments. Thank you, people of Mount Olivet, for letting me join you on your journey. And our journey together has certainly had times very much like Emmaus, where we needed each other, when we needed to hear the promises again, because the the road got kind of rough. When dozens gathered in the sanctuary to pray for Andrea Carey, who had been diagnosed with cancer. When the news of 9-11 stunned us and many of you instinctively looked to this place to gather, to pray, and to read passages, I remember that night so well as we were shell-shocked but found strength. When death took children and youth, Adam and Alex, Troy and Patrick, Barrett and Doug, and I know there are more. Part of life is death. Again, we gathered around the promises of God who walks with us. Just, well, just being a church in a changing culture is a road to Emmaus where we're not sure what to do or where the road goes. Thank you on all of it for your hopefulness that God has made clear in you, for coming together and naming God's presence in these times. We've gathered also to ask questions about everyday living, uh, week after week in Bible studies, classes about being a Lutheran, respectful conversations about tough issues like guns, human sexuality, and just wars. Can you have respectful conversations about those things? You can. We broadened our horizons by asking folks from other faith traditions to tell us their stories. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for wrestling with the questions, for going on a journey to seek answers, even when the answers were tough. And we've been on a journey, have we not, of discovering how each of us has a call. A pastor's call is no more important than anyone else's because they're all important. Everyone's call from God is equally important. That's pretty cool. And on this journey, we've been discovering that this, this faith community exists not for the sake of its own self, to maintain itself, but like Jesus, we exist for the sake of the world. I am so proud of who Mount Olivet is. You're members of a movement, and you know it, the movement of God's love and promise in the world, out there, not just here. Thank you for your growing sense of mission, that you embody an inclusive kind of spirit that, that seeks to share good news with, with everyone. You folks are a sign of hope for the broader church. More than you understand, you are. 
One of the main reasons I'm moving on is because I feel an obligation, a call to pass on what we've learned here in a different setting, in a different context. What we've learned here is, I think, a hopeful and even playful sense of shared mission. So, from my experience here, joined together with further, um, further study and reflection, I will pass it on and wait to see what that looks like. It's going to be fun. To the Mount Olivet staff, each of whom has been a blessing to me, thank you. We've discovered together that our work is less about our own ability to produce a religious product and more about unleashing the gifts for ministry and mission of all of you. And let's face it, isn't that a lot more fun, Summer? The staff here represents an incredible mix of gifts, insights, and faith in the new things that God is doing. In the process, we've come to care for each other a lot, and we've also had fun. Sometimes way too much fun. Can you have that much fun in a church? Sure. I would be remiss if I didn't If I didn't mention the special bond that I've enjoyed with my pastoral colleague, Beth. Beth is a rare gem, a very necessary compliment to me. We've been a pretty good team, I think, and I will miss working with her. Many a time I have been in awe of her pastoral abilities, her deep faithful spirituality, her mastery of puns. <laughs> to all of you, thank you for welcoming um, Heidi and myself many years ago, and then Thomas and Connor in due time. We've watched our, our sons grow up here. And you've been a marvelous village in which to raise them. And then find, respectively, in Thomas and Connor, an accomplished saxophone player and worship technician. Unleash the gifts. Where's Heidi? Oh, there she is. She's behind you. <laughs> Heidi, I want to thank you for being my partner in this venture. When I've been down or discouraged, you've carried that burden with me always. And the many happy times here, and there have been so many, we've shared together because this has been our church home. And, and I, I know that Heidi is as filled with gratitude today and thankfulness as I am because she loves this community. And if you, you don't believe me, just look at her right now. 
sorry. I have to uh, deflect away from myself. Finally, um, friends, I guess the simplest thing of all is thank you for loving me and, and my family. My friend Lee Canton emailed me yesterday and it advised me for this day. He offered simply this, and I, and I quote, breathe in and feel the love. Isn't that being seized by the moment? Yeah. I feel it, believe me. And I've felt it a long time, and especially in these last weeks and today. And so do Heidi and Thomas and Connor, I know. You have offered peace and love to us year in and year out, and we are so grateful. And so from Heidi, from Thomas, from Connor, and myself, I say to you in return, we love you. Peace to this house. Not just any peace, God's peace. Always. Amen. Amen.